As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome into a special edition of the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Ashlyn Sullivan and Joe Fordyce here with you for the trade deadline. It is officially 3.02 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. So the trade deadline has passed. And Joe, all week, this is anything anyone talked about regarding Philadelphia Flyers was this trade deadline. We heard John Tortorella. We heard Chuck Fletcher both say we're going to be sellers. So we knew that. But I think today the magnitude of selling was maybe a little more disappointing than, than some people thought. Yeah, um, I, I don't think anybody had Zach McEwen on on the top of their list of the first for the first guy that was going to be traded. And as we cross the deadline here, we see the Senators announced that um, Patrick Br- they've gotten Patrick Brown from the Flyers for their mm-hmm. their sixth round pick in the upcoming draft. Now. I'll be honest with you. I thought they'd get a higher pick for Patrick Brown because he's a veteran player that plays center. Um, he's been in a couple situations and really he's been a good player for the Flyers this year. Um, I mean, there's been several games where we've seen it and we've kind of discussed it in the newsroom amongst ourselves that the Flyers fourth line was their best line in some of the games and Patrick Brown centered that line for most of the year. Um, so uh, i what I get from that is maybe the return for a player like JVR, who in their eyes brings a little more to the table than Patrick Brown, is not um, up to what they expect. And that said, though, I, you're you're losing JVR after the season regardless, so to to not make a deal wouldn't make any sense. Now, even though it's crossed the deadline, deals can trickle in as long as they were put in there because uh, it's kind of like a – has to be in the queue, right, for mm-hmm. it right. to trickle through the league. So that can still come out. But I would call the day uh, underwhelming. I, I don't yes. know that there's a better word to describe it than that. Right, and we knew they'd be sellers. So we expected to at least have a ton to talk about because we heard especially Chuck Fletcher say, hey – we want to get younger. So we expected a JVR and a Hayes to, to massively be in the conversation. And JVR about 10 minutes ago, it looked like Detroit was a done deal. Oh, my gosh, this is so interesting. Flyers play Detroit on Sunday. All of a sudden, it's not a deal. So let's at least go through what we know to be absolutely true. The Flyers traded Zach McEwen, who has been on injured reserve to the Los Angeles Kings for Brendan Lemieux and a 2024 fifth round draft pick. It seems like these two players... They're rather similar. I know Lemieux is, is a little bit better statistically. So it looks like if you take that out of it, the Flyers basically got a draft pick for Zach McEwen. 
Yeah, um, I, I think they basically traded when it break it down, they traded the Kings some flex, uh, some salary cap flexibility mm-hmm. um, for a draft pick. And then, you know, you, you add in the two players who kind of offset that. And right. um, it's similar. Brendan Lemieux is a guy that, that people in this town know well, and they know him for mixing it up with players <laughs> on the flyers uh, in fights in um, kind of, extracurriculars on the ice. Um, so I, I don't know that there's really a net gain or loss when you take player uh, Zach McEwen out of the lineup and you bring Brendan Lemieux in. Um, he is one of those guys that can provide some spark, um, which the Flyers are quite frankly going to need through mm-hmm. the end of the season, just, just to get through games, you know, um, Part of finding out what you have is is seeing how a team responds to um, situations and games, and I think Brendan Lemieux is going to is a guy that can keep players interested in games and kind of fire up the guys he's on the ice mm-hmm. with. And I don't think that's a bad thing, but he is an expiring contract, so um, I would say at best it's 50-50 that he's here beyond the next, the last games of the season here. Um, right. But what we're seeing on the screen here, that's what he's known for. And I don't <laughs> think that while that, you know, while that's not that necessarily bad thing for the fans, it's entertaining for the fans and stuff. I, I don't know that. I don't know that anybody went into this trade deadline day looking for more of that or at, and best case, a, even swap is fighter enforcer uh, guy that likes to mix it up for a, another fighter enforcer and guy that likes to mix it up. But <laughs> it just falls under the underwhelming category for me. Right. And, and Brendan Lemieux, if you look at the mindset, okay, it's for these last 20 games or so. And I know John Torella yesterday on the radio said, we're going to have to think totally defensively going forward. So if this is at least where you can keep yourself in games, then, hey, it makes sense at the least. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Okay, let's talk uh, JVR a little bit. That was by far the biggest conversation point of the trade deadline for the Flyers. It was an expiring contract, and everyone thought, okay, you want to at least get a trade or, or get picks for him because of the expiring contract. And and I wonder, when I was reading about this, you you see the large cap hit, and you wonder, was that too much for another team to take on? But we thought for teams that were in contention and, and could use a veteran like this, maybe – they look past that, but it seems like JVR as of now is still a Philadelphia Flyer. Yeah, there's both national and local uh, reporters saying that he just hasn't been traded. Um, and I don't know how you can look at any that uh, uh, as anything other than disappointing. Um, because this is a player that you are... You're going to lose him for nothing other than your own cap space after the season. Um and you would hope they would be able to acquire something. But again, the it's the salary cap ramifications. And maybe the Flyers are not willing to pick up enough of it because the money is, even with a little bit left in the season, 
the money is still pretty substantial for a team to take on at this point in the in the season under their cap. And when you consider the team that's going to be looking at him is likely a contending team that's either in a playoff spot or on the outskirts, those teams generally don't have cap space that's just mm-hmm. plenty. They just throw around money, oh, right? Right. So the flyer they would need the Flyers to pick up half or a majority of that deal and at least in, as of right now it seems like that was not something that um the Flyers were able to come to a deal of their liking now um there's going to be a ton of heat on the GM if that is what turns out and all indications are that's what it is but i mean mm-hmm. this was the most likely move um people have talked about it since the beginning of the season gosh yeah that um, this was the player that had to be moved before the deadline, the most movable piece. And uh, it appears right now they have that hasn't been moved. So <laughs> I think under to describe that non-move as underwhelming, underwhelming would be uh, kind to, uh, I think, to describe what the reaction to this move not happening will be. That is a very kind adjective, because even if you go back to Wednesday's TNT game, the national broadcast, James and Reamsdake was by far the point of conversation. They kept showing him saying, oh, is this his last time as a flyer? We all thought, yes, for sure. That's going to happen. How you didn't get anything for him. It's it's so disappointing and it's so confusing. And right now we don't have the answers. And that that leads us to a less dramatic tone of Kevin Hayes. And that was another guy we thought could be a possibility. Torts and Chuck Fletcher this week. They didn't shy away that. He most likely isn't the most permanent best fit for the Flyers long term. And that made a lot of sense as well as an older player. And and Chuck Fletcher said this week, we want to get younger. And Kevin Hayes as well, a guy that admitted, hey, I'd love to stay in Philadelphia. Um, And seems like he's going to get his wish. Yeah, um, we I think we knew all along this was going to be a hard trade to make because of the salary and the term left on his deal. And. I'm sure that ended up being the breaking point with any team that was interested in him. Um, you know, I, that's not to say maybe something couldn't happen in the offseason. A lot of times deals like that with guys with larger salaries are easier to make in the offseason because teams are working on a different playing field when it t- comes to their finances. But, um, yeah, that's um, – you. what you want to see, and it, you want to see – movement toward the future right and I quite frankly don't think we've seen a single sign of that today from this team and that is disappointing um we heard John Tortorella say the words we're selling yesterday Mm -hmm. and if selling includes a lateral move with Zach McEwen for Brendan Lemieux and Patrick Brown for a late round draft pick i I don't think most people would consider that selling. So if the goal is to be sellers, which they put out there, and those are the moves that you make, I, you can't really, I don't think that this, this trade deadline is going to receive high marks. How could it? Because if your goal was to be sellers and to look toward the future, and these are the only moves that you were able to get done, it's, um, it's a really it's a really tough spot this team's put themselves in because now you're last year the Claude Giroux move was supposed to set up the offseason and mm-hmm. it did and they got back good pieces for that at the deadline 
this year, the it seems like everything that was talked about, none of it actually came to fruition. Um, except for a couple of minor deals that are, quite frankly, I'm not really sure how much they even help. If you acquire a fifth round pick next year and a sixth round pick this year, okay. I mean, it's draft capital, but I mean, you're not really, nope, nothing's really moving the needle there. And I, I think it's really, it's really, it's tough to sell that to a fan base that is already um I, I don't know how to describe it. Upset, other than disappointed. The yeah, they're just kind of on the edge with what's been going on with this team over the last few seasons. It's um, and 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 rightfully so. I mean, it's it seems like the team is caught in purgatory. They're in this sort of um, not bad enough to to be have the highest chances of the getting the top overall pick, not good enough to really contend for a playoff spot, and also up against it when it comes to the salary cap. Now, that will that could change in the offseason. JVR's money will come off the books in the offseason. Um, mm-hmm. If they're able to do something with Kevin Hayes, whether it be move him or a buyout scenario, you could – stuff should, could start to open up with the salary cap. But in terms of acquiring future pieces – that's where I think they hit a home run last year, getting Owen Tippett for Claude mm-hmm. Giroux. And I know they weren't trading a piece as big as Giroux this year. So to expect that, again, would be unrealistic. But you didn't really acquire anything for the future except a couple of late-round picks. And that is um, disappointing. There's not really another way to say it. Yeah, and I think what makes it as disappointing is they admitted to something that didn't happen. I think we all kind of accepted and and John Tortorella talked about it earlier this week how hard it is to admit that you're in a selling situation to a locker room and and Tortorella admitted you know Monday that they weren't going to make the playoffs and it was a tough pill to swallow and it's when you're in a seller situation in the locker room and you see all these other teams adding pieces gearing up it's a blow it's it's hard to play so we were expecting and it was almost like we were being set up okay you know at least they're going to get younger and at least they're going to move towards the future with getting rid of JVR. And now it's just kind of confusion. You're left. Yeah. The question was, where is JVR going? Not if, and then it became if very quickly Mm -hmm. and it became no seemingly within the last 15 minutes. (laughs) I know. I was checking um, my phone, Twitter. Hello. Anything. (laughs) Yeah. So it's very um, odd. Uh, I mean, odd. Usually, you, you usually don't see a player like this that is um, with an expiring deal, a guy that has a a, a specific skill set that a team that is contending can use. And mm-hmm. JVR is a, a power play guy. He's a guy that causes havoc in front of the net. We've all seen his work around the net, tipping pucks and things like that. And to to come up empty with a player like that, I mean, we've talked about the salary cap ramifications, but you'd figure you would find a way to move this player for something. And yeah. uh, it just didn't Anything. happen. And that's – it's puzzling and, and and disappointing and underwhelming, and those are all the words you're going to hear, I think, over the next um, few days. And we don't have a game to talk about until Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um where minus Patrick Brown, 
we're going to see the same guys out there that we saw uh, over the last few games because Zach McEwen really was – he was on IR. Right. Um, and so we might – maybe we see Brendan Lemieux. But, I mean, really, we're not talking about much of a different lineup, and I feel like all of us expected that we would see a different lineup. Right. Um, Something, some kind of shakeup just to freshen it up a little bit. Yeah. 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 And, and really this is, um, I feel like it's more of the same of what's been going on around here for the last few years. Right. Um, and, um, I, I don't, this is, well, not, this is not going to be warmly greeted. I'm, I'm interested to hear what Chuck Fletcher has to say about, what went on because it seemed like something was going on with Detroit. There's not, yeah. there's rarely that much smoke without any fire. Agreed. And then something went down, and one can only assume it has to do with salary. Yeah, you would think it always boils down to money and someone wanting more. So Chuck Fletcher will speak to the media at some point this afternoon. So we will have Jordan on site who will write that up. So we're going to at least hear from Chuck Fletcher and get some explanation of, of what went down today. Catch all the sports action and more at Rivers Casino Philadelphia, whether it's the money line or the pass line. There's something for everyone, including a great sports book. Rivers Casino Philadelphia. Philly loves a winner. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You know what, Ashlyn, uh, an interesting point to bring up here, too, I think, is yep. leading in the days leading up to this, we heard yesterday in particular, we heard John Tortorella address Kevin Hayes and we heard him address Ivan Provorov. And you didn't hear a peep about either of those players basically after John Tortorella spoke yesterday. Right. And to me, I don't know what that says. Does it say that the asking price was too high? Does it say that mm -hmm. the money couldn't be agreed, agreed upon? The Kevin Hayes thing, you can almost guarantee that had to come down to money and term on the deals. Mm -hmm. The Provorov thing, I'm wondering if the asking price was too high because the whispers seemed to be that it was earlier in the week that – this is a player who still has a lot of potential. He's a younger player. Um, we all know that Ivan, that Ivan Provorov's work ethic is second to none. We've heard about that every year he's been in the league. So I wonder if the Flyers were really trying to shoot their shot and get what they could for this player, seeing him as really the one guy on the roster that they could afford to move that would get them a return. And it's very interesting to me that that went silent over the last mm -hmm. 24 hours, really. Um, and you know, Chuck Fletcher is going to get asked about this um, yeah. because I, I don't think that anybody's going to go into this press conference wondering about Brendan Lemieux and, you know, trading Patrick Brown for a sixth round pick. This is right. going to be all about things that didn't happen and why they didn't happen. And 
that to me is what it, every the questions everyone asking is asking is what what it's more about the what didn't and the what ifs than the what did because the what did is really minimal impact on the on the actual roster and um it it's very um I'm, I almost wondered with John Tortorella putting all the cards on the table yesterday like that, not that they weren't really there already, but I wonder what team's dealings with the Flyers were like. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that any of that information is going to get disclosed later today when, um, when Chuck Fletcher decides to speak, um, right. when things are wrapped up. Um, because to me, that's the story here is um, we have a lot of uncertain future things with this team. Um, I think outside of the coach, I really, excuse me, outside of the coach, I really think everything with this team is is uncertain right now. Yeah. And generally that's what happens when you have a team that's gone through the last few seasons like this one has. Um, they've clearly brought John Tortorella in to be the face and the voice of this franchise. And beyond that, I don't know that you can determine, I don't know you could say anything about this situation is a certainty beyond John Tortorella being there. I agree. But I will say for John Tortorella, he, he's always so honest. And I think we appreciate that. But especially this week, I thought he has been the most insightful the most honest he's been the entire season and, and truthfully kind of refreshing of really laying it all, all out on the table of, of how far this team really does have to go. And I mean, it was the quote yesterday on NBC sports, Philadelphia, we're pretty much non-existent in the NHL. As far as respect, we have to get the right people involved. Like, wow. Yeah. Everyone's thinking that, but to hear your head coach say it, I, I appreciated it because it just, it shows that, what he's been saying all year long is that this is not going to be fixed quickly. And I think now you're seeing why this is a very much a long-term process. Yeah. And, and I do think there is a, there, there are, I think the fan base and, and you just mentioned honesty and I do think consistent messaging mm-hmm. that goes along with that honesty is something that people can get behind and appreciate And nobody could accuse him any mixed messages. It's been the same message since the day he got hired. There's work to do things that we have to see who's going to be here. He has to see what he has. The messages remain the same. No one was under this delusional thinking. Well, (laughs) maybe us on pregame alive a couple of times under this. Just like two shows. Yeah. That we were thinking about the playoffs (laughs) for a little bit. And I feel like the couple of times that we did that, they went out and got, handled pretty well in those games we got humbled yeah we got humbled pretty quickly yeah Yeah. um but his messaging has never changed and i do think that people appreciate that and that is if that's at least foundations a foundation for um going forward is the consistent messaging and we heard him say yesterday that everyone is on the same page in terms of how we're going to do this and that we're going to do this the right way. Yeah. Um, even if it takes a long time and even if it's impatience and fans want to get fixed right away. I, that, and I, I go back to January when they 
were on that run and Travis Konechny was heating up and it was where we, you know, we started talking about playoffs on pre and post game. And even then Torts was like, we haven't done anything yet. Like pump the brakes. Like, yeah, they should be proud of themselves, but basically everyone chill out because I know we've got a long way to go. And now you see that. So I even respect it more. So looking back to January of how he saw this and he was still honest when he very easily could have hyped up this team like everyone else was. Yeah. I mean, John Tortorella has been around. He's coached good teams. He's coached bad teams. Um, he, he coached a bad year in Vancouver. He knows what it looks like when a team is in trouble. And uh, he's not afraid to tell people about it. He's also not afraid. He, he also is known, and I believe he's done that this year for at least points of the season, getting more, getting more out of a roster than the roster will say on paper. And I, I believe, um, you know, that that's, um, that's what he's done this year. I mean, you know, this is not a – the run that they went on, the best run of the season, the, the, that really kind of got people to start that little bit of buzz of, well, you know, they're only six points out of the playoffs. They're seven points out of a playoff spot. And they're um, – you know, that they are on the outskirts. That's because – John Tortorella did with this team what he's done at his other stops. He gets more from guys. Guys buy in. Guys play hard for him. Results come as a result as a as a byproduct of guys playing hard and playing over their heads. The problem is when you have such a talent deficit, which recently with the injury to Travis Konechny and some of the other things that have gone on with this team and Joel Farabee continuing to struggle this um this year the the talent deficit starts to show up and you can only overplay your talent deficit for so long and i think the flyers have reached the point where they can't overplay that anymore because now you're getting into playing opponents that are desperate for playoff spots mm -hmm. that are fighting for seeding teams that have retooled at the trade deadline and they're now better than the last time they saw them all of those things catch up to a team that has a severe talent deficit. And I think there gets the point in the season where the, the will and the soul of a team gets broken. And the Flyers are probably right near that point at this point in time. I think a seven, nothing loss and one of the, yeah. you know, that that's the kind of game where it's one game, but it's not one game. It's way more than one game, and it looked like it was more than one game that mm -hmm. night when we were sitting there looking at that game. And um, you know, it's uh, it really is. It's a tough. It's a tough road, and then it becomes tougher when now you're looking at guys that maybe thought they wouldn't be here that are still here that are playing up the string with this team and. You know, I don't think guys like Hayes or Provorov probably got too far down the line of thinking that they were getting moved. But I do think a guy like JVR did. Yeah. Um, this is a guy that probably thought he was going to be in a playoff race. So how do you get back up and you uh, and and you um, you get past that and you just continue to go along? But it's human nature to have some sort of effect on you uh, mentally with you know, that mindset of I'm going to be going, I'm going to be jumping into a playoff race uh, and regardless of where you're going, but 
you know, the teams that were out there that were buzzing about JVR, it was Vegas, it was Seattle. I mean, these are teams that are holding not only playoff spots, but higher playoff spots. Yeah. Those teams were in the top three division spots. They weren't in wild card spots. They were, mm-hmm. they were in playoff spots with some cushion. So, yeah. you know, those are the, those are the kind of teams that are fighting for seating, not for, at the same time, you're fighting for playoff um, lives, but you're really fighting for, okay, let's get us into the best spot to have home ice advantage in rounds of the playoffs and things like that. And when that doesn't happen, there has to be a human reaction of having the rug pulled out from under you a little bit, at least for the first few games after the deadline. So, and, and here's the other thing. Detroit is a team that wasn't expected to make a run. And then they were, they went on a run recently and they've kind of gotten competitive and then they're on the outskirts of the, and then what happens on Sunday? JV has to go out and play Detroit. Yeah. So the 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 reminder of that mm-hmm. is going to be right, right in your in face. face. Yeah. On the first game out. So I think that's going to be a tough one. So I'm interested to see his demeanor in that game on Sunday. Um, but that said, JVR is a professional. He's been in this league for a long time. And quite frankly, he makes a lot of money, so it's his job to be out there to and ready mm-hmm. to play on Sunday, and I'm sure he will be. Yeah, and JVR this week, it, it was like going through the phases of getting geared up for it. He talked about how, how his phone was on airplane mode and that he was going to turn it off airplane mode come Thursday, and he talked about having a, a house in Minnesota, and maybe if it was Minnesota, okay, we already have that. And, and he was trying not to get ahead of himself, but I get how it's human nature, and yeah, That's I mean, you makes- saw Scott Lawton's comments about going out yeah. to dinner with them in a couple extra like, times ah, and yeah. how close they were. I mean, it was clear most everyone expected him yeah. to get traded. And, right. um, you know, it, it it didn't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a, a, a it's going to be a tough pill to swallow for for several parties. Um, it so uh, it it remains to be seen what happens but these guys are professionals and uh, we've heard a lot you hear this week all the time you hear it's a business and but at the same time at where it's a business um these are human beings too so natural human reaction has to come into this at some point and i suspect that it will on sunday uh with jvr in particular Agreed. And we have lots of questions for general manager Chuck Fletcher, who will be coming up here shortly. So stay with us. We will throw to that live press conference where hopefully we'll get some answers of what went down today. And as the Flyers are back on home ice on Sunday, 20 games remain in this season. And and John Tortorella, he, he said the P word this week, the pride word and no sport. You want to get to the point where you're talking about pride. That's a really bad sign of how the season went. But I understand why he has to bring it up, because at this point, everyone in the locker room knows you're out of the playoffs and you have to bring up the question, OK, well, what are you playing for right now? And and I thought Torts was was candid and honest that he's he's looking for people to fill this Philadelphia bus. Who's going to be on the bus? And if you don't show up these last 20 games, he especially seems like a coach that is really going to have a magnifying glass to this. Yeah. Um, and again, it's good that this is a coach who's navigated all different kinds of situations in his different stops in the league, including winning. So, you know, he knows what a winner looks like. 
Uh, he also knows what a team that needs a lot of work looks like, and he's made that clear that this is that type of team. So I, I think it's good that they have um, – last year when when the Flyers moved on from Elaine Vigneault and Mike Yo was their interim head coach, I don't think anybody was under the ass- assumption or sort of thinking that Mike Yo was going to be the coach here for a long term. So mm-hmm. that was a different situation last year after they traded Giroux. It was, let's just wait and see because we're going to have a new coach and everything. Now at least you have the coach in place. We know what the Flyers think of John Tortorella. He has clearly been designated as the voice of this team. Um, And so that is something that wasn't there last year. Uh, So I do think that's a positive. I don't think you can view it as anything other than that because – he's willing to take on whatever is ahead. And, uh, you know, in his words, we're, they're going to do this the right way, which clearly means he knows what that is in his mind. Now, whether it pans out, we don't know, but yeah. he has been very clear that he has a vision for this franchise. And that is something that I don't think was in, in place at the end of last season was a vision for this franchise because your bench was in flux. Your roster was in flux. Now this year, I don't, your bench is not in flux. Um, your roster is in flux, but it's in flux in a different way in the sense that I think you're going to get some breathing room this off season and maybe be able to do some things for the future, which is not the case last year because you had these big contracts that were there with term left on them. And, um, I, I do think that he is – he's not saying who, but by the way he's talking, I think he's identified who he wants to be here mm-hmm. in the future and who he wants to be here or, or not to be here. Oh, and, yeah. You um, can read through those tea leaves with that one for sure. Yeah. And that's why I thought the Ivan Provorov situation was so intriguing because that seemed like a guy that Torts really loved and always complimented. So it didn't seem like even if they got an – sustainable offer that I it seemed like Ivan Provorov um John Torella wanted him here he was very complimentary of Ivan Provorov yesterday and yeah. and and more so I than found, ever right and what I found very interesting was the part yesterday when he said I'm sure Ivan hasn't been happy with some of the things that have gone on here yeah now that to me was a very interesting comment because mm-hmm. um if he's acknowledging that you have to think he's acknowledged it to Ivan and maybe yeah. they've talked through some of their difficulties. Um, and maybe that's part of the reason that all the the sort of any talk around Provorov being dealt stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe everyone saw that and said, okay, it's clear he, um, you know, he's he's moving forward with, with Provorov. Yeah. And, you know, for all whatever perceived difficulties between those two, this is a coach that has never publicly come out and said anything about Ivan Provorov Negatively. alluding to him not being here. Right. He's he's lauded his work ethic. He's talked about how he's pointed out to the media when the media kind of goes in a direction where that maybe Ivan's struggling, he's taken it back the other direction every time. So mm-hmm. he's never really openly criticized his play or anything that he's done. So 
but I was very um, – my thinking about Provorov's future with this team changed a little bit with that one comment yesterday about uh, him acknowledging that Ivan probably wasn't happy with how some of the things have gone because um, that's not something we've really heard a ton this mm-hmm. year. And along that line yesterday, too, it was very interesting when he said uh, – a lot of people have this idea that it's my way or the highway. Well, yeah. his demeanor. A lot of people do think that, that is factual. That I mean, yeah. it does. And whether it's misunderstood or not misunderstood or somewhere in between, which is what I suspect. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting to me when you hear a guy like John Tortorella, who's always on this plateau when he's talking and when he's down here. And not like contrite or anything, but more so just he has it throttled down a few notches, which he did yesterday, in my opinion. And I thought that was telling. And um, but (laughs) I don't think based on what he said yesterday, he anticipated this little activity before the deadline. So the next time he talks, I think that'll be interesting. Agreed. Um, Agreed. It'll be very interesting to see. Um, and, and just even with JVR, you know, he's been complimentary of what he did for that line this year and getting Tippett mm-hmm. going and helping Frost when Frost was going well for a little while. He was very complimentary of JVR. So I'm sure John Tortorella is not going to say, I can't believe JVR is staying yeah. at this team. He's probably looking forward to it because he's a veteran presence. Um, right. But it's the the assets assets for the future and the lack thereof that were acquired today, I think that is going to be a big topic. And as we see there, um, the assembled media and Voorhees waiting for um, Chuck Fletcher to address what, what I, th- what did happen today, but I suspect but more so what did what yeah. happen. Yeah. And um, it should be very interesting. And, you know, Again, I don't think there's going to be, you know, a lot of what did it mean to get that fifth round pick next year or what did it mean to get the sixth round pick? And I do think there'll be some thoughts about Patrick Brown because Patrick Brown was a positive influence on this team this year. So I think there'll be some thoughts about dealing him and Zach McEwen over the last two seasons. This is a guy that um, possibly wasn't even expected to be an NHL player when the Flyers Mm -hmm. acquired him. And I think he's really been an energetic player. He's a player that Scott Hartnell always talked to us about how he loved the energy he brought early this season when he was bringing the offense for, there was a a three or four game stretch where he was really driving, you know, his offensive game and scoring goals and creating. And um, he was an infectious player for the rest of the team. And I, I do think there'll be some discussion about that. Um, and then there'll be some discussion about what Brendan Lemieux brings for the rest of this, um, you know, the rest of this season for this young roster. And to me, I think there'll be some question about whether Brendan Lemieux could be part of this going forward. Um, and basically how this could be a try a 20 game or so tryout yeah. for going forward. Um, you know, because this team likes to have those guys that are emotional leaders. They mm-hmm. have Nick Delorier now, but that's not a long-term answer. 
Right. Zach McEwen wasn't a long-term answer. So is, um, is Brendan Lemieux on a tryout here? I think that's a question people are going to ask, but I think most of this is going to be about why, why didn't this happen? Why didn't this happen? Were there talks on Hayes? Were there talks on Provorov? Anything like that. And yeah, you know, that's what everyone's waiting for answers on. I'm not sure they're going to get them. I don't either. Yeah. But you know, the answers and what the reaction is, I think are going to be the big thing to take out of this um, coming up here. Yeah. And Brendan Lemieux and while we await Chuck Fletcher joining the media, will fill with you guys until that happens. You can't really ask for a better opportunity if you're Brendan Lemieux to have this tryout and to prove to yourself that you can be a part of this Flyers team. Most guys have to deal with this during training camp. He gets 20 games to do so. So, I would imagine if, if I'm him, you know, give it my all and, and see if I can help a team that could really use some firepower, some some violence, if you will, <laughs> I think for him, it's a good opportunity. It's a it's a fresh start and, and something it's really it seems like all up to him if he can play up to the standard that they want and, and need to, him to stay. And he's been part of the the this Metro rival Metro rivalry yeah. or before there was a Metro division. The Flyers and Rangers were always rivals. He's been part of that rivalry. He got in a fight with Sam Moran, uh, the former flyer, a few years ago that a lot of people remember. Um, he he knows what it's all about. Um, so he's been with the L.A. Kings where they don't the, – the rivalries maybe aren't as intense as they are in the East Coast. But there's no doubt coming back here to Philadelphia, seeing that Flyers logo, um, you know uh, – just getting those rivalry juices flowing again, you know that's going to be a lift for Lemieux coming back here, having been part of it. And, um, you know, he's that kind of guy. And you see players like – you you see players like him that play for one rival and then they go to the other rival and it just continues. Those kind of players are – they're not invaluable. I, I, and I think a lot of times they get the rap that they are invaluable. On a roster like this, I, I don't I, I can see why people don't like the acquisition of a player like this. But you know, when you look through the history of the NHL, the teams that win, they always have a guy like this, a fiery guy, a guy that's there, a good teammate, sticks up for his teammates. So that can't be uh undersold. And I think this could be a tryout for him going forward. Totally agree. And for those of us that have just joined awaiting the press conference for general manager, Chuck Fletcher, the Flyers, not as active as many people thought during this trade deadline that ended at 3 p.m. this afternoon. The Flyers traded Zach McEwen, who has been on injury reserve to the Los Angeles Kings for Brendan Lemieux, and in turn get a 2024 fifth round draft pick. But all eyes we're on James Van Riemsdyk today and whether the Flyers would be able to get something for him as James Van Riemsdyk is on an expiring contract. And it is found out that JVR will stay a Philadelphia Flyer. And, and while, you know, John Tortorella likes that, oh, and here's the guy with all the answers. Let's now go to general manager Chuck Fletcher. There was, uh, I didn't have any offers at all until about 1.40. I got a call from a team and and they had a, a concept that if they were able to move a forward off of their team, 
then they had interest in, in acquiring JVR. We talked about the parameters of what the deal would look like, and uh, you know it made sense from that standpoint, but all along it was conditional on the other trade going through, and um, you know eventually the other deal fell through. And, and uh, that was no, it was probably about 25 minutes before the deadline when the when the uh, I found out that the deal fell through. So. But it was it was interesting, interesting um, market. I mean, we've been working the phones hard for three weeks on 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 a few, you know most of our players on expiring contracts, and and uh, you know the one offer that I did get on JVR happened at 1:40 this afternoon, and it was a uh, conditional offer, and you know I didn't know what the market would be, but I thought there would at least be uh, some offers that we would have to consider or, or not consider. So. You know, it's the nature of the business, I guess. It is what it is. Um, you know, we would probably rather have a good pick um, and allow JVR the opportunity to play in the playoffs. But, you know, the market spoke, you know, and, and um, it, it wasn't to be. And, and he's, a, he's a true professional. Um, he's a good hockey player for us, and he'll be a good mentor down the stretch. But Did you have other teams that you went, you went back to when you found that out? Oh, I've been speaking to teams for three weeks. I've spoken yeah, to I, every I team. Every team by every team by then had already told me, you know, no, uh, several times. So, uh, yeah, there was no that deal didn't hold up anything at all. I, I, I never had an offer until that conditional offer at 140, which I found out at 230 wasn't going to happen. And and um, so they, I spoke. They acquired somebody else. Just to clarify, they acquired somebody else. No, they didn't acquire somebody else. They they were going to move a forward, the other team. I don't know the details of what they were doing. Wasn't really my business, but if they were able to consummate the other trade, then they were going to come back. But we had the framework of the deal done in case uh, they were able to make that trade, and, and they weren't able to make it. There was a report from Elliot Friedman who said that it was pending a physical, so that that wasn't. Your no, no, nothing. You, routinely, when you acquire players, teams ask, uh, you know, about the medicals, and and they did ask, and his medicals are fine. You guys been covering Javier. He has no medical issues, but it had nothing to do with us. It, it uh, again, we agreed to the conditional part of the deal, and but I understood the conditions. So there was there's nothing uh, untoward here. Like we we understood that if the deal happened, we had a deal. If it didn't happen, we didn't have a deal. It was it was all up front, and um, but at that point again, it, it uh, you know we were where we were. Chuck, you said there were. No, no, I don't think that at all. You know, typically, you make a, an offer and another team counters. If it, if a team has interest, they typically counter, if, or they accept your offer, or they counter your offer. I mean, these are draft picks we're talking about. It's not not overly complicated. So, you know, but uh, you know, I if you, there's no smoking gun here. I guess is all I could say, but. You know, we, we certainly made everybody aware he was available. Uh, we made everybody aware we would re, we re, we would retain 50%. We made everybody aware that we could even take back a contract if that helped a little bit more on the cap or the cash. And um, we talked about a different range and different ways of getting there, prospects, a pick, uh, multiple picks, whatever it would be. 
conditional pick. We, you know, we talked about all kinds of different scenarios, but ultimately, again, you, you know, I can only control my half, and, and uh, there has to be a willing buyer. And until 140 today, we never, you know, we never had uh, any type of offer, and the offer we got was conditional. And we're, we're talking about a, a guy who has nearly 300 goals in the NHL. There were many other players that were dealt at this deadline that don't have the same you know, pedigree that he has. I guess how do you explain the lack of interest? That was my. I've been using that line for three days. That's exactly what I've been saying to teams. Like you, this guy's a good player. He can help you. Get him, give him to you at three point five million, and just let's cut a fair deal. So I, I can't answer that, Charlie. I mean, obviously, if I, I can't speak for the other teams. I'm disappointed, are you, that you couldn't get a draft pick for him? I'm sure you going into it, you thought you'd get at least a draft pick. Yeah, you, that, that certainly was a hope, and to give JVR an opportunity to play in the playoffs. He's a he's a pending UFA. He's been a good pro for us, and I think it would have been a win-win for both sides. But. I, again, I, yeah, I, much, I would have much rather had a pick than, than not, uh, but we never had that opportunity. So I, it is what it is. I mean, there's only so much you can do, and I spoke to every team in the league, and uh, really there's about 16 teams that were true buyers and spoke to them multiple times. Uh, there was a couple times I thought there might be a possibility, and then things would veer off. So, uh, you know, there's not much more I can say. I can't, you know, I, we were willing and we were – Accommodating, and we were open to ideas, and and uh, but you need somebody to be a willing buyer. Just in your conversation with those potential buyers, what was the biggest sticking point in that number? <coughs> that over the hump I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously, a seven million dollar cap hit. You retain fifty; it's still three point five. I mean, you can see some of the, the team's cap situations. I assume that was part of it. Um, you know, there's been some pretty good players moved. You know, probably there's some teams that had preferences, of, you know, uh, players they preferred a, above JVR, but I can't speak to that. Well, I mean, again, that, that would be up to the buying team to do that, but say, for example, you're a team and you value JVR as a fourth-round pick, you think he's worth a fourth-round pick, then you're going to give up another third or fourth-round pick to have a team retain another 50%. You now doubled your your acquisition costs, and and so I'm, I'm just I'm trying to be really clear here. I, I didn't get a firm offer of even a fourth round pick for JVR, so you know just logically, I, I can't speak for those teams, but obviously that's more than they wanted to pay. John, you said that you were willing if it would help to take back any fill level contract. Now, were there parameters on that? <laughs> you guys are going to beat this one up. Holy gosh. Yeah, I, I mean, I've told teams I absolutely I would take a player on an expiring deal. I would take a one-way contract in the minors. I could help on the cash. Um, I was not interested in taking a player with term unless that player could be could help us going forward. So, But we tried to be as accommodating as possible. But, again, we, we never had an offer. There was never anything that broke down. There was never anybody that said, you know, I'm only going to give you a third or a fourth or a sixth, uh, you, you know, take it or leave it. I, I never even got that. So um, it just, I, I don't know what to say. I, y yesterday, for example, I received two calls, uh, one on JVR, one on another player, and I made 17. And I just counted my log. So, I, you know, we, we actively 
did our best to, to get an asset and to give JVR the opportunity to play in the playoffs, and it, it didn't happen. And, uh, Do you think your, your explanation of this will maybe calm down your fan base and sort of like give them a sense of where, where you were throughout the process here? I, I, again, when, you, when you're selling at the trade deadline, it, it's not really a hockey trade. You're selling. You're trying to trade a player and get a draft pick. And, and in order for that to happen, you need a team that's willing to give you a draft pick back. And, and that's, I can't control that end of it. I can only control uh, making sure I talk to everybody, make sure I let everybody know uh, we're willing to retain half, make sure everybody knows that we can take a contract back, uh, let people know we're flexible in terms of the, uh, you know, what type of, you know, we're not necessarily led to a pick. It could be a prospect, it, you know. There's different ways to do it. And from my experience and, and every other deal I've done, you you know, typically you come in and say the player we're looking for X and the other team says, Well, it might be a little rich, I'll give you Y and then you haggle. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you know, I guess what surprised me was I wasn't even able to get a team to say, I'll, I'll give you this. Have you talked about retaining salary? Um, do you think if James was making less than seven million he he would have more seniors. It seems like money, but you think it's possible here? That, that's my assumption. But, uh, you know, probably in the next week or so, we have GM meetings next week, and I'm going to ask a couple teams, you know, what, what they felt and, um, you know, and, and what happened. But, uh, you know, again, it, other teams are some good players moved, and, um, you know, a couple teams came online uh, a little bit later in, in, in the process and, and had some pretty good players that ended up getting moved. So, you know, I'm not sure the exact reason, but but uh, certainly, again, the cap hit at seven million is high in, in this environment, which again is why we were willing to, to work with teams. But you know, I'm, I have to assume that was part of it for some teams. I haven't spoken to him yet. I spoke to his agent. Um, I thought I would let you guys uh, have me first, and then I'll I'll speak with him soon. Well, you need to get value. You know, I had had a lot of conversations. You, you know, um, I essentially told teams, you know, look, we have our, our three pending UFAs, and and uh, and we'll listen on anybody. You know, essentially, and um, had conversations with teams, and you know, I think there um, there's some good conversations. I think that could be picked up in the summer in certain situations, and uh, but you know, the goal is certainly. To get younger, as I mentioned, but but also to, to make sure the you know you're, you're getting fair value for the for the players you have and and uh, you know there were a lot of names in the market there were uh, a lot of sellers but you know from our standpoint there was a couple situations we looked at and things just didn't make sense at this point in time. That's not to say they won't in the summer. There's some things again we can pick up, but you know we were able to to pick up a couple draft picks today. Um, you know, would have liked to have picked up a third one uh, as we've just gone through, but uh, you know, that's that's uh, what we're able to accomplish. Chuck, I guess you know, you, to kind of follow up on Gianni's question about getting younger, you felt this earlier mm -hmm. this week. You said you wanted to get younger. The way today played out with you know not being able to find something for JVR, Justin Braun still here, so not all the, the rent has gotten moved. I guess 
you know, how can people have faith that you can actually get to see younger? Because part of getting it younger is going to be to move out veterans. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and we're going to certainly look at that this summer. And, you know, again, you have to get value when you move guys out. It's, as I mentioned to you guys a few days ago, our goal isn't just to, to gut the team or to, to get rid of players. It's to, it's to make trades that make you better and make sure you get value, make sure you get market market value for those players with exist, existing contracts. You know, today is not the only opportunity to move those players. You're going to have an opportunity in the summer. You have an opportunity next year. And, and there's going to be opportunities to, to make good deals for some of those players. But it didn't happen this time. In terms of players on expiring contracts, again, you, we moved um, two players today and, and two others we didn't. And, you know, it wasn't for lack of effort. And, again, you need to, for, for uh, the rental type of market, you need a team to want to, you know, acquire a player and make I, an offer. I guess there's an element here, though, where, you know, yes, these moves could be made in the summer and could be made next year and whatnot. Mm-hmm team has struggled for, for years, and obviously you're trying to stay in your position, I guess. You know, is there a concern that this shows that you aren't able to do the rebuild you guys want to do in terms of how ownership looks at it? Yeah. Look, Charlie, I said, you know, I said last time our goal is to get younger. We do want to add more young assets. We are a younger team this year. We do have some pieces in Lehigh Valley and elsewhere that we think could be part of the solution going forward. Uh, we do have some veteran players on our team, or veteran players, some players, mid-range age guys that we think can, can be a part of this too as we go forward. And we're going to just continue to look at every opportunity to get better. And, and the trade deadline was one opportunity. Uh, there was not fair deals, in my opinion, to be made. There are some things that potentially could happen in the summer. And as we go forward, we'll just continue to look at those opportunities. But we will get younger. We're going to continue to add more young assets. And we're going to continue to build this build this up. Chef, uh, you are. If you're, uh, you can express the need for high end talent. Uh, yeah. Cutter Gauthier is having a great season. Down at Boston College, or up at Boston College, I should say. Um, is there a possibility that uh, the Flyers are willing to extend an ELC to him? Uh, spoke with him last week. He said he's going to sit down with his friend. I mean, well, excuse me, his family and the Flyers in an interview with me. Uh, have the Flyers reached out in any way? Does the lack of success this particular trade deadline now force the hand to sign Cutter to at least give the fan base, hey, this is something to be proud of, I would say? Yeah, I, I don't think you want to even go back to Charlie's last question. I don't think we want to just make moves for the sake of making moves. Like with, with Cutter, you know, we have to sit down with Cutter and really have a good conversation with Cutter, with the coaches at BC, with our own development people. And, you know, out of respect to the fact that they're starting playoffs next week, it, it's not a conversation you have during the year. We, t- we speak with Cutter all the time. I've been up there a few times. Other staff members have been up there. We've we met with the coaches. I speak with his advisor. And, you know, ultimately the decision we make has to be about what's right for, for Cutter and his development. He's, he's too important. Uh, to make a decision not based on what's right for him. and uh, But, you know, I think there's conversations that have to be had, and, and at the end of the season, we'll, we'll certainly sit down and do that. Brendan, Brendan, were you uh, a guy you're going to look at the future, or was that deal basically for the fifth round pick? Yeah, when I, when I spoke with Rob Blake, um, we had spoke, you know, spoke about Zach. They had interest. You know, we, we talked about a fifth round pick, and, and, you know, we thought that was fair. But he said to me, you know, I need a little bit of time. I'd, 
I need to move Brendan Lemieux in order to, to bring in Zach McEwen. I said, well, I'll just take him, you know, with the fifth, but I'll, I'll take Brendan as well. And, and uh, you know, so he, he agreed to that. So Brendan's a pending UFA, and, and we can give him a 20-game uh, trial here to see what he can do. But, but the deal was for the fifth, and then, again, Rob had indicated that for whatever his reasons were, that if he could move Brendan, he would do the deal. So I thought I'd just make it easy on him. With uh, Scott Brown, you know, a lot of times on deadline day, guys who win face off and sometimes they tend to be the man on deadline day, and they tend to be you know, late in the process in their deals. How does, uh, how does that situation work? Well, I, I, again, I've been speaking to teams for, for a while on, on all of our players on expiring contracts, and, you know, I – Talked to a few teams and just, you know, gave them some of my thoughts. I thought Patrick, you know, actually played really well for Vegas in the playoffs a couple of years ago. And his face-offs on the right side are excellent. And he can kill and he's willing to block shots. And he can really bring an element that teams might need. And, um, you know, a few teams called back and, and Ottawa was, was willing to give a pick. Uh, another team was willing uh, to offer a minor league player back. But, but uh, I would have just kept Patrick in that case. But the pick was... You know, was uh, worthwhile, and, and it gives Patrick a chance to, to push for a playoff spot as, as well. But, but Charlie, I'll just go back to your your last question because I don't know if I answered it as accurately. Like, like, look, I understand our fans are really disappointed. You know, the last two three years, there's no question we've been trying to to be a competitive team. Uh, we've been trying to to be a team, in particular, two years ago, going back to the summer '21, trying to be a team to maximize the last year of Giroux on his contract. Um, you know, to be a team that could compete and make a playoff spot. And, and, and clearly, you know, I haven't done that. I haven't done that job. Uh, there's no doubt. We've had last year, we had a couple devastating injuries, absolutely, with Couturier and Ellis and, and even Hazy. This year with Couturier and Atkinson has been very difficult. But that's not the only reason. We need more talent. And that's on me. So I, I get it. And, and uh, But, you know, this is, you know, last summer I think we were a little tepid. We didn't. Want to do be overly aggressive, I guess, in pursuit of talent because we did have some concerns about Katuri in particular, and then Faraby had been hurt, and we didn't know what we exactly were going to have going into the year. So we put some kids on the team, we gave them that opportunity, and as we go forward, we recognize we have to get more talent, and we are going to build it. And you know, in, t in terms of, I'm, I'm not worried about my job. Whatever happens with me will happen with me. That's up to Dave Scott. But everything I do is about doing what's right for the Philadelphia Flyers and, and not taking shortcuts. And, and that's in part why we didn't make any more deals today. The deals that were presented to me were not good deals for the Philadelphia Flyers. And uh, last summer, being more aggressive was not going to be good for the Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe in the short run, it, it makes me look better. Or, but we don't want Band-Aids anymore. We want to build this the right way, and, and we're committed to doing it. And that's those are my words. My actions will have to back it up. But but we're committed to doing it. Thanks, Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.